Please turn to Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 3. So as you make your way there to Philippians chapter 3, well, what a, what a great way to start. We made it. It's 2023. We made it. We should give ourselves a clap, you know. But you know what? Through all that 2023, I am still amazed at Yahweh's patience with us. I'm still amazed at God's patience that he's allowed us to see another day, to breathe another breath. I'm sure some of us will look back at the year that has gone and, and want to make some resolutions and perhaps say, I wish I, f- I didn't do that. I-, I-, I want to forget what I did. I wish I did this. We want to forget. We want to start new. We, we want to have a new beginning. Yeah. That's what people do with new year, year, year resolutions. And some people say, well, then they look forward. They say, well, this year is going to be better. I'm going to lose 10 kilos. I mean, this, these are New Year's resolution, are they not? Uh, I, I'm going to get a better job. You know, I'm going to work my way up. I'm going to maybe give up that addiction. Maybe I'm going to be a better husband or a better wife. This year, I'm going to pay off my house. This year, I'm going to go on a holiday. This year, I'm going to be a better friend. I'm going to excel. So in other words, we look behind and we look forward. But as believers, we ought to think this way as we walk our Christian walk. We ought to say, I wish I walked better last year. And and I'm hoping that this year I will do greater than I did last year. I wish that I didn't do that as a believer last year. And I'm hoping that I will do that this year as a believer. We shouldn't hold on, however, to the past failures, as we will see in our text this morning. Because when we hold on to our past failures and our wrong thinkings, our sins perhaps even, but then we even look at the future wrongly. Our, Our resolutions will be worldly and not heavenly. Instead of forgetting what was before us and what's past to look ahead to better ourselves in our Christian lives, we want to better ourselves just to, for the sake of bettering ourselves. You want to make a New Year's resolution, it ought to be that I become a better Christian. I become a, a better Christian. The Apostle Paul has something to say about that this morning. As we looked at, and as we looked at, over the sermons that I've preached on, on, on Philippians is continuously encouraging the Philippians church to move forward, to rejoice, to remember who they are. And he did that at the beginning of chapter 3. Finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And then he begins to explain expose the false teachers and calls them dogs and and he contrasts them with the true circumcision and then Paul uses himself to say if there are any one who was going to make it into the kingdom of God apart from Jesus Christ it would have been me if heaven was going to do 
play music and trumpet sounds were going to come to and fireworks, it would have been from me and then Paul that we call that the almost the Christian. But then what happened when Paul met Christ face to face? He counted everything as rubbish for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, his Lord. His ways changed. His passions changed. His directions changed. And his resolutions changed. He had one resolution to know Christ. And it was a long life resolution to to begin with Christ and to end with Christ. Remember we said last time that salvation, the resurrection, does not begin at the resurrection of the body, but at the resurrection of our hearts when we are born again. And from there, this new life begins and it continues to become in living waters unto eternal life. And we submit ourselves as soldiers under the leadership of Jesus Christ, who is the commander and chief daily. You see, there's one thing that we say we're born again. There's one thing to claim I am a Christian. It is another to walk the Christian life. There's one thing to say I profess to be a Christian 15 years ago, 15 days ago, 15 months ago. But it's another to say, I want to continue to grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ, to mature to pure perfection. Well, we don't hear much about this. And Paul showed us that how he lived a life of self-denial. His desire was to be this better Christian. Listen, let's face it. The Christian life is a commitment in the pursuit of holiness. The Christian life is a commitment to a pursuit of holiness, to be transformed and conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Be ye perfect as your Father is perfect. But things get tough, don't they? They get hard. Things weigh us down. There is trouble all the time. It's hard sometimes to walk the Christian life. It's hard to grow. And we will look at what the Apostle Paul has to say about this. And so our text for this morning, we're only going to look at two verses, uh, three verses, sorry, verse 12 to 14. And what we'll see here in these few verses is that the Apostle Paul likens the Christian life as an athlete, as one who is ready to run the race until he finishes it and receives the prize that was actually promised to him. He's aiming for perfection. He's aiming and he's committed. And no runner who says, I am not committed to run this race, he's already failed. He must be committed. And in those days, they held these games as a festival, as a, as a celebration the, the Greek culture, which eventually becomes the Olympic Games. And one of the, the, the popular games was running, where, where the participants were coming into this arena. It was a straight arena. And on the left and on the side, you had the spectators who will look on. Maybe they'll cheer you on or maybe they'll boo you. But you will enter into this arena, stadium, and straight ahead, there at the end, there was the judge. And at the end there, the judge, you will look upon him 
Because he will be the one who giving you the price. By the way, my understanding is, I will stand and be correct, that they used to run naked because the clothes actually used to weigh them down. So they will strip themselves, think of that, and they will get into this arena and they were running for their life there. So I'm guessing there'll be a lot of cheering, a lot of laughing perhaps, and a lot of mocking. But they were staring at the judge at the end so that they could receive that prize. Does that remind you of a few scriptures in Hebrews chapter 12? Where it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing, fixing our eyes on Jesus. This is the picture that, that, that Paul will portray here. The author and perfecter of our faith. And if there was anyone that we could say had arrived at a, per, you know, a point of perfection in his Christian walk, it would have been the Apostle Paul. If anyone could have said, I've run the race and I didn't stumble, I didn't fall, I didn't, nothing happened to me, it would have been the Apostle Paul who was the most committed Christian who's ever lived as far as I know. But praise be to God that he says, as we will see, I have not arrived yet. I have not reached that full potential of Christianity. So Paul makes his resolution. He wants to be more like Christ. His desire is to be intimate with Christ. But he's still far off. There still needs to be more growth. He wants to be transformed. He wants to be like Christ. And he wants to receive that eternal glory in Christ. But he's not yet there. That's great news for us. Because if this guy has not arrived, then we've got hope. If this guy says, I haven't gotten there yet, well, I can say for myself, I'm nowhere near the Apostle Paul. I have not arrived yet, for we all struggle in our Christian walk. But we're meant to press on, as we will see. Even when it's hard, even when you're tempted, even if your wife is not the wife that you think she ought to be, or your husband, the husband that you think he ought to be, or your children, the children that you think they ought to be. Even if you're struggling at work, even if you're weak, even if you're healthy, you've actually got problems, you, you've got issues with your flesh. What does St. Paul do? Does St. Paul just sit in the corner and say, woe is me, and suck his thumb? And say, you know what, I quit. I'm not running this race anymore. I, I, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. My New Year's resolution is I quit. That's not what the Apostle Paul does. As we will see in a minute. He does not quit. He doesn't let prison or anything else allow him to quit. So I've titled this sermon. It might be done in maybe three parts. Depends how much I yap. So this is the first part. And we're going to call it a growing Christian part one. So read with me the two verses, but I will still give you three kind of points so you can follow along because that's our tradition here at Saving Grace Bible Church. Um, we, we, we give you three things to, to, to think about. So follow with me after Paul. Let's read together from maybe, um, you know what, from verse seven, okay? So we can get the picture what, what, where Paul is going. Uh, but whatever things were gained to me, 
Those things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ. In case you haven't heard that sermon, please go back and it's online. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, with whom I suffer the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish so that I may gain Christ and to be found in him, not having the righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. That I might know him and a power of his resurrection and a fellowship of his suffering and be, being conformed to his death. In order that I might attain the resurrection from the dead. Now we get to our verses. Not that I've already obtained it or already become perfect. But I press on so that I may lay hold of that which... Also, I was laid a hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself having laid hold of that yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So I'll break it down for you a little bit just so that you can follow None of us have arrived. That's your first thing that we look at. None of us have arrived. In other words, none of us have arrived to perfection here in this life. And none of us obviously have seen Christ because we're not there yet. So we have not arrived. None of us. Two, all of us must run to arrive. We are all called to run and to chase after it. And three, all of us, that is the believers, will arrive one day. Does that make sense? Well, let's begin with verse 12. Not that I have obtained it. I have not arrived to perfection. I don't pretend to have it all together. This is what Paul is saying. I want Christ. I want to know Him more. I want to grow in His righteousness, in His holiness. But this corrupt body is still there. I have not arrived there. I am not there yet. And the word obtained talks about completeness. I haven't arrived to that completeness. I haven't received it yet. I haven't received the full knowledge of God. I haven't come to know Christ the way I want to know Christ. Paul was moved by the power of the resurrection, but he had not received the full resurrection. He was in fellowship with the suffering of Christ, but he didn't possess all those fellowship in the suffering of Christ. He was a living man, living as a dying man, to be conformed to Christ and his death, but he was not there yet. And Paul wants the Philippians church to know that, that he himself who's been an apostle. I am still not there yet. There's still room to grow. There's more refining, more progress, um, more denial of myself, more sins to deal with. But the weakness and, and laziness and, and whatever tiredness and well, that these things did not uh, affect Paul. Paul did not allow these things to affect him. He says, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. As we will see, he does something. Because a Christian life is not easy sometimes. You can be distracted. If you think of the analogy of the runner, and you're running naked to get to the other side, I'm pretty sure you're going to be distracted, maybe embarrassed. Maybe someone throws something at you because you're not running properly. 
Sometimes life is like this as a Christian. We get embarrassed to even tell people that we're Christians. <laughs> we might be embarrassed because we're going to get mocked. Because people are gazing at us. And Paul says, I have not already become perfect. And this word perfect in the Greek speaks of maturity. It speaks of fulfillment. In other words, I haven't come to that full maturity. And once again, I want, to, I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, if the Apostle Paul says, I have not come to that full maturity, man, neither have I. There is hope. But we must do something about it. Paul is saying, I have not received it to the fullest. I am not fully mature. I have not arrived. There is more to be fulfilled in me. I'm not finished yet, though. I have not arrived. I have not obtained it. I'm not there yet. But what does Paul do? What does Paul do? Look at verse 12. But I press on. I press on. And this brings us to the second point, if you will, just so that you can follow along. All of us must run. The Apostle Paul says, I will run. As hard as I can. I'm going to overtake everybody. I'm not going to take a drink. I'm not going to take a break. I'm going to strive. And I'm going to strive as an athlete. And I'm going to put my body under submission to me. And I'm going to let my body know it listens to me. And I'm going to continue to keep running. I will not look beside me. I don't care who looks at me. I don't care who's staring at me. I don't care if they think that I'm a loony, crazy Christian. I am going to keep running. Nothing is going to slow me down. When the Apostle Paul came face to face with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, he was running a race, but he was running that race against Christ. In fact, he was chasing out the Christians. And once Jesus grabbed him, he put him in that arena of Christianity. He then turned, he did a 180, and he ran towards Christ. I press on. And that word speaks of laboring with intensity. Laboring hard. I labor hard. I press on, Paul is saying, to maturity. I press on. In my service in Christ, I press on in the proclamation of the gospel. I press on to walk my Christian life because there is a greater glory waiting for me. I am looking at the heavenly city. Paul is not settled in his country. There is a better one. He's running like Forrest Gump. He just runs and he keeps running until he gets to the finish line. Nothing was allowing Paul would not allow anything to actually affect him. The Christian life is to chase after holiness. Continuously. It is a race. I am not there yet, but I'm running. Not only in New Year's Eve when you make this New Year's resolution. No. The Christian life is a New Year's resolution that when you wake up, and the Lord has had mercy on you, that's your resolution. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to live for Christ. We ought to examine ourselves and say, I'm not what I used to be, 
But by the grace of God, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I should be. But by the grace of God, I'm going to continue to be until he makes me all he wants me to be. I've just added a little bit to that, to that quote. And think about this in our lives. Things can hinder you from walking the Christian life. Things can hinder you. You know, people can actually slow you down from walking the Christian life. From your husband, to your wife, to your own kids, to your jobs. Anything can hinder you from walking the Christian life. But we must press on and labor hard as Christians. Think about it. How hard do you actually labor for your house? How much? How hard do you work? How hard do you work to feed your kids, to buy cars and to buy shoes, to go on holidays? Well, temporal things, I mean, they're not necessarily bad in and of themselves, but these things can be a hindrance to you. That you will not run that race the way you ought. And just like in the Olympic Games, you will not receive the prize until you get to the end. The Apostle Paul, if he had a resolution to make, it wouldn't be that he would have a healthy lifestyle or, or a new house. Remember, he was chained to maybe one or two guards under house arrest. But Paul looked ahead. He, he reached for the sky. He did not allow things to slow him down. He would have been the madman saying, life, life, eternal life. We ought to be that way. This ought to be our resolution this morning for 2023. Remember, we have one life, brothers and sisters. One life. One life to live as Christian and one Christ to glorify. But we must grow in our Christianity. We must grow and we must chase after it. And anyone who has been invited by Christ to run this race, to be in this arena, is not a spectator. He doesn't sit there on the side and cheer you on. He is meant to be running a race next to you. He is me meant to be running a race looking at Christ, not looking at everyone else who is running. He meant to look towards heaven, the heavenly city. If pleasure is only in this life, and what country are we seeking? If treasure is only in this world and we make resolution for it, then where is our treasure? Where's the benefit of that? We might as well say what the Apostle Paul said. Hey, there is no resurrection. Live. For tomorrow we die. Just live it up, man. But if there is, then press on. But the question then has to be asked this morning. Have I entered this race? Am I part of this race or am I just this spectator who looks upon these Christians who are, are crazy? Who looks at one guy and the other guy and they go, these guys are really on fire for Jesus. God bless their hearts. Maybe it's because you haven't been invited to the gospel yet. Maybe it's because you're not saved yet. Maybe you don't belong in this race yet. That's why you're still a spectator. That's why you're still just looking 
and you're very complacent. But you're in the arena, and you go, but I'm in the arena of Christianity. No, the, the, the Christians, they live on a stretch that goes to the celestial city. On the side are unbelievers. We want to make sure that we are running that race because we belong to Christ. We were saved by Him. We trusted Him. We entered through that sheepfold and we look ahead and the perfect shepherd who is awaiting for us right at the end to give us the prize that He promised us, eternal life. Paul continues, he says, Not that I've obtained it, I have become perfect, but I press on so that, here's my reason, so that I may lay hold of that for which was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. I was laid hold by Christ Jesus. Paul is expressing the one who laid hold of him. And that speaks when Jesus was grasped, seized, and stopped by Christ. Sorry, Paul was seized by Christ on the road to Damascus. And that happens, to, by the way, to anybody who's born again. That's when you're saved. God stops you in your tracks. Whatever race you think you're running, God stops you. And Paul says, as Christ held me, as he grabbed me in saving me and making him he, me his possession, I want him now. In the same way, I want to possess him. I want to chase after him. He chased after me. I want to chase after him. I want more of him. Do you have that in your life? Do you wake up in the morning and say, I want more of Christ? I want more of Jesus. It's not enough. I'm saddened to see certain people that don't even come to our church and we're confused to even know if they're Christians and they say, I'm hungry for God's word. Shouldn't we be more hungry? Shouldn't we chase after the things of God? Christ called Paul to participate. He seized him. He took Paul. He made him his own. And Paul says, I can think of nothing else better for me to do. It is to behold Christ. When Christ took Paul, he turned him from the race that he was running of the path of destruction and made him enter through the narrow gate to the path of life. And just like that, in a blink and a twinkle of an eye, the Lord took an enemy whose fate was for damnation and he made him a son fit for eternal glorification. And God can do that for any of you. You young men who, who are actually hearing this, hear well. God can do that for you. Because if you're not running the race that is going towards the celestial city, the only race that you're running is to hell. You're running away from God, not towards God. And the Apostle Paul now is pursue, pursuing holiness. He has a desire to serve. He's chasing after the things of God. He has a hatred of sin. He has convictions of sins now towards Christ. He loves Christ and he has a connection to the body of Christ. 
I want you to understand that. This is not written, yes, you run individually in a sense as a Christian, but this is written to a church. What better way to run a race when you got a bunch of brothers and sisters who spur you on? Amen? You don't run by yourself. You say, I've got this all together. I don't need anyone to... I've got this. That's not Christianity. That's not what this is talking about. Yes, it's individual, but it's corporately. Anyone who enters this race does the same. And as I said, of course, this is great news for us because if the Apostle Paul, undoubtedly being one of the greatest Christians who ever lived, says, I'm not there yet though, there is hope for us, but he moves forward, right? If the Apostle Paul says, I want to behold Christ, but I haven't got him yet the way I want him. I want to behold him more. I want more of Christ and he's not there yet. There is hope for us, but move forward. If Paul has not arrived to the full knowledge of Christ, who happens to be an apostle, who was moved by the Holy Spirit of God to pen down these very words, then there is hope for us. Then move forward. Move forward. We must move forward. Then we come to verse 13, which it kind of reiterates what he said again. We'll read it together. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I love that. I love to read this, you know. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the guy who called himself the chief of sinners. He says, but I haven't got it yet. I was humbled by this. That Paul didn't have it all together. But then he uses this pastoral, effectual thing. He says, brethren, my brothers and sisters, listen to me. I, I, I want you to know this. I'm not perfect yet. But what do I do? One thing. What do I do? One thing. If you were ask Paul, Paul, what is the one thing? that you would do this year for your New Year's resolution. Here's what Paul will say. I'm going to forget everything. I'm going to leave everything behind and I'm going to move forward. So he begins with the forgetting because he wants Christ. If you asked him what would be the resolution, it would be Christ, Christ, Christ. I'm going to forget and remember, Paul did many, many things, correct? I mean, even Brother Wes is now going through Colossians. You're going to get a whole lot about Paul. He persecuted the church. He chased after the church. He was there when Stephen was killed, the first martyr. He did many, many things. He put Christians in jail. But he says, I'll leave all that behind. Whatever sin is tangling me, whatever situation is disturbing my walk, I forget about it. I don't hold on to it. I will not allow that to hold me down. That's exactly the way we ought to live. We ought to live not allowing our flaws and failures to weigh us down. Because if you're truly born again, if you're a child of God, and whatever it is that's going on, even if it's a sin issue, you repent, you are covered by the blood of Christ, then leave it alone. Move forward. Leave it. 
Leave last year. Move this year. Leave it behind. But think of the illustration of the runner. If you know anything about running, you run and you have to keep your eyes forward because it's a sprint. As soon as you look behind, what happens to you? Two things can happen. One, you lose momentum and you lose pace. And two, you can fall over because you're running that fast. Paul says, I'll leave all that behind. But it's not enough for Paul to say, I'm just going to leave all that behind. What does he say? Reaching forward. I'm not just going to leave that behind. I'm reaching forward for what lies ahead. He doesn't leave us to say, well, I just, you know, I'll leave that behind and that's it. I'm okay. No, no, no. He moves forward. He looks ahead. He leaves the negative behind and he goes ahead with a positive to look ahead towards Christ. I'm reaching forward. And that word, once again, it is meaning of it means to stretch till you can stretch no more. I'm reaching forward while lies ahead. I'm not focusing on my failures, my weaknesses, my struggles. I'm looking ahead. I'm looking ahead to Christ. Once again, think in your own life. What are things that can slow you down? What are things, maybe bad decisions, sins, Whatever it is, you fill in the blank. But if you're a child of God this morning, have you realized that Jesus nailed even those sins to the cross? For there is no great sin that you can commit that Jesus has not pardoned. So forget it and move forward. Christ won't hold it against you. Why are you actually hanging on to it? The churches are filled with people, however, who are barely committed to run the race, who barely commit themselves to come to church on a Sunday, who barely commit themselves to come to church maybe once every couple of weeks. Filled with people like this. We need to really examine, are we running the race the way God wants us to reign? Because if I'm forgetting what lays behind, I must look ahead. And my looking ahead is not for personal gain in a sense of worldly pleasures, but heavenly treasures. It's very easy, you know, for us believers to get entangled in the things of this world. But we must really examine. We must really examine ourselves to say, where am I? What am I doing with my life as a Christian? What am I actually aiming for? What's my goal? What's, my, what's the end game here? That eventually I leave a house to my son, a car to my daughter, and some shoes to my other son? What is it? You're meant to run. And if your kids don't want to run with you, then let them be spectators. You run, you run, you keep on running. You don't let anything hold you down and you reach forward. Maybe you're not running because you're too busy. 
You say, I've got to finish paying off my mortgage and I've got to play my games and, and I've got to fix my car. Well, Jesus said in Luke 6, 9.62, no one, no one, after putting his hand in the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. When a person comes to saving faith, he only looks that way. And if he continues to turn back, he's not fit for the kingdom of God. Then Paul continues in verse 14, and he says, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on. The goal speaks about having my eyes again fixed upon the upward call and the prize, which is Christ. The upward call is called by God, and that is my drive to get to Christ. There is no greater thing than chase after than the upward call to become more like Christ while I'm running. I don't know how any Christians will turn around and say, well, I'm okay where I am as a Christian. I'm actually really, really concerned. I'm concerned for those who will turn around and say, I'm actually a mature Christian. Do you know the Apostle Paul in this? He's revealing to us that there is a lot more maturity in him still to grow. We ought to say, I am nowhere near as mature as I ought to be. And run. This is Paul's life, his pursuit in his life is to know Christ fully, behold him, and mature, stretching forward as a runner continuously. Let's understand that it is continuously. Now, what's amazing about this actual word here, press on, is also used in the New Testament as persecuted. And I found that really, really interesting. And he's used as persecuted. I'll give you some verses so we can actually get our heads around this as to why the Holy Spirit superintended for us to know why this verse is here. Why this actual word is here. In Matthew 5.10, Jesus says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted. Chased after. For the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Did you get that? The Apostle Paul is saying, I am chasing after the upward goal of God. I'm pursuing and I'm running after Christ. And at the same time, I am being chased after. I am persecuted. This is the Christian life. No one said that the Christian life was going to be easy, brothers and sisters. No one said that. You'll find no verses in the Bible. You will only find that in bad teaching churches that will tell you the Christian life is a healthy and wealthy life. And Jesus continues in Matthew 5.11 with these words to 12. Blessed are you when people insult you and what? persecute you they press upon you falsely and say all kinds of evil against you because of me rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great 
For in the same way, they persecuted. In other words, they pressed on the prophets that were before you. We're not meant to run away from the race. We're meant to run and fix our eyes up on there, up at the end there where Christ is seated. Paul is chasing after Christ. He's chasing after him. And you know, before you get a prize as you're a runner, there is sweat, blood, and tears. You need to learn to bring your body into submission. You need to do that. And what was Paul's fuel? We heard it last week. Well, Brother Maddie Johnson, was it last week? Was it not? Or a week before? Grace. Grace and grace. Grace was the fuel that drove him. So, let me just wrap this up, begin to wrap it up. We have not arrived. We're not there yet, the spiritual perfection. And we haven't seen Christ, not yet. Two, we must run to arrive. To spiritual perfection and to see Christ. And three, one day we will arrive and we will be perfect in Christ. So, I've, I've spoken to many people and a few in our church about the flesh. You know, the flesh is weighing me down. There's a continuous battle, and there is. But what does the Scripture tell us to do as an application? Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, all the holy men and women that went before us, right? You know Hebrews 11? Read it on your own, in your own time, okay? Let us also lay aside every encumbrance, every weight, every weight, and the sin which easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance, endurance the race that was set before us. The Holy Spirit of God, He fights with you if you're a Christian. The same God, the same Christ that laid hold of Paul, he lays hold on all the brethren and, and all those who belong to him. And he gives them strength to run. He gives them food to sustain. Christ is the coach and he's there right beside you to run with you and cheering you on so that you can actually get to the finish line where he will meet you himself and give you what you deserve. If God called you in this race, he's going to make sure that you finish it. That's the endurance of the saints. You will finish it. Hear that? You will finish that race. But until then, there's much work to do. And those who pursue godliness, those who see Christ as their most precious possession, they are like this. Let me read to you Colossians 1, 2, uh, 3, 1 and 2. Therefore, if you've been raised with Christ, what do you do? Keep seeking the things above. Why? Where Christ is. 
seated at the right hand of God. But he doesn't stop there. He says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. You want to you run, and you want to run, and you want to run. You must set your mind. Your mind must be set upon the things of heaven, not the earth. And you must be ambitious. Don't quit. Be determined. You want to be hard-headed? This is where you're hard-headed. It's not a sin to be hard-headed here. You're hard-headed that all your focus is Christ. You got my permission to be hard-headed here. Everywhere else it's a sin. Depending on how you do it. Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote. He says, therefore, we also, as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. We ought to do that. In our running the race, we ought to be ambitious to make Christ joyful. We often say joy. We take joy from Jesus, which is true. But don't you want to make Jesus joyful? I mean, imagine having a marriage and all it is, the spouse takes the joy of you. Well, well, I want some too. We ought to bring joy to God. Be watchful. Be watchful. Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence. Watch over it. For from it, it flows the springs of life. Fix your eyes on Christ. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Proverbs 4.25 And remember, we will look at this next time, for our citizenship is in heaven. Remember Christ. Remember your union with him, your new birth with him. Remember he is your husband, brother, one who loves you. He is your friend and he belongs to this body here in Saving Grace Bible Church. And he's preparing a place for us. Are you running the race? Question is, do you want to finish the race? Actually, I'll give you another question. It's up to you how you finish. It's up to you how you finish. We all ought to aim to finish well, right? In the hustle and bustle of life, when we look back at the year that has passed, we ought to seek just one thing. How did I live my life for Christ? And thank Him for the beginning of this new year. Look to Him. Christ Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. But... I want to finish this. This is a right pursuit. This is only the one point that we looked at. But turn to 1 Corinthians 9, 23 and 27. And may this be, may this be what we look at in our own lives. 1 Corinthians 9, 23 to 27. And I'll read this. I do all things for the sake of the gospel that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Then Paul says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? 
but only one receives the prize. That doesn't mean the other Christians don't receive it. He's just making a, a point here, okay? Run in such a way that you may win. Now, who on earth wants to enter a race and not win? Why would you want to enter a race and say, that's okay, I don't mind being last? Don't enter it. Everyone who competes, verse 25, in the games, exercises self-control in what? All things. They then do it, why? To receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself may be not disqualified. May this be our New Year's resolution for this year, that we will run the race and we will bring our body Problems, tribulations, under submission to us. Amen. Father, we come before you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your word, for he is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. We pray, Lord, that you will continue to show us Christ, to behold his beauty, that we might run and outdo one another and cheer each other on until we get to the final destination. Sure, there are times that we may rest a little, but to be replenished so that we can run faster. Please, Father, we pray that you work in the hearts of your people at Saving Grace Bible Church and those who do not know you yet that have not begun the race, that they may enter into that race. For the only ticket to enter is the blood of the Lamb. So please, Father, I pray that this sermon, your words, Father God, will not fall on deaf ears, but on good ground, good soil that will bring forth fruit for your namesake. Amen.